Welcome to episode 169 of This Week in Linux, recorded live on September 25th, 2021. From the Destination Linux Network, I'm Michael Tunnell. And if you're new to the show, this is the podcast that will keep you up to date with what's going on in the Linux world, and I'll give you my take as a 20-year-plus Linux user. So let's jump right into your weekly source for Linux GNUs. This episode is sponsored by DigitalOcean and by Bitwarden. I know I said we'll jump right into it, but before we get started, just a quick note. There is a housekeeping section this week at the end of the episode, and I'd appreciate it if you took the time to check it out. But now let's get to the good news. Up first in the show is rather fitting because the first piece of good news is this week is GNOME. So GNOME 41 has been released. So GNOME 40 was a huge update that changed a ton of stuff. The workflow going from the vertical layout to the horizontal experience. Well, 41 is not that much of a difference. Obviously, there's, they're going to be doing polishing and some and some like overall improvements like performance and that kind of thing. So there, it is a significant update, but it's not as much as an update as it was when jumping to GNOME 40. But with that said, there are some cool things that I wanted to tell you about. And first of all, let's start with the new multitasking settings. So the new multitasking settings have been able to make it where you can disable active screen edges, control dynamic or fixed number of workspaces, uh, workspace behavior on multiple monitors, app switching preferences, and also being able to disable the hot corner. Now, this is something that I didn't realize was so controversial because I don't really mind the hot corner most of the time. But apparently there are many people who can't stand hot corners and this new setting is great for them because it makes it possible for them to easily toggle it off in the settings rather than having to install an extension specifically to remove it. So that's great. There's also with GNOME 40, there's a new connections app, which is a remote desktop client support with uh, support for uh, VNC and RDP connections. Also, there's a new power mode of updates because we last the last time we talked about for GNOME 40, they introduced the new power modes. But now you can do it directly inside of your system status menu, which is the top right system tray tied up thing. But it's not really a system. Tray. That's a longer conversation. You can check out the previous episode about that if you want to. Uh, but there's also some changes to the be able to do the power saving mode automatically, which is great. So it will turn on automatically when the battery level is low now. There's also some new cellular settings, which makes it easier to configure mobile connections and modems. And they've also, of course, improved their performance across the board, which is fantastic. But I think the biggest one, the most interesting thing that they did was that they put a lot of work into GNOME software. So they've made it easier to browse and discover applications. They've improved the app categories, which is nice and new and colorful now. They've also done uh, new promo images for like the very top of the uh, like the front page of the store. They've also made it where the app screens uh, app screenshots are larger, which is nice. And they've added an editor's choice section with lots of interesting like excerpts and stuff from the different applications. Also, new info tiles convey important information about each app. And this is probably the most important part about the new changes to the GNOME software because there's a lot of good information here. For example, you know, you would it'd be hard to kind of find some of this data before, but now you can see stuff like download size. Uh, it even has like form factor support. So if it's made for desktop only or if it has support for mobile and that kind of thing. And they've also added a new security ranking system. Now, there was a little bit of some issues during the like the beta phase of the GNOME 41 because of the security issues, because they were labeling it as unsafe versus safe. 
and it they they were actually kind of having a very strict thing of what spe- specified safety and there were things where like the rpms or the debs of the official repos of the distro that you're using would be labeled unsafe based on their criteria that almost happened but it didn't happen so i am glad to see that because gnome 41 has a much nicer approach to you know talking about safety with applications because you don't want to claim that the distros repo stuff is unsafe which almost happened but it didn't so that's good and also the overall store just looks a lot cleaner and it feels more engaging and informative so lots of good improvements there and if you'd like to check out gnome 41 i'll have links in the show notes for more information but you may have to wait for your distribution to get it for example if you're an ubuntu user you're going to have to wait about six months to get GNOME 41. Or if you're using a rolling release distro, not so much, not much wait there. Again, you want to check it out. I'll have links in the show notes below. And from there, let's talk about some gaming news because we have some a lot of cool gaming news. We have Epic Games announcing Easy Anti-Cheat is coming with, with support for Linux, which is fantastic. So, you know, Epic Games, our relationship, you and I, we've had some ups and downs. I may have mocked you for the silly nonsense your CEO said on Twitter in the past about using Linux is like moving to Canada because your preferred politician didn't win an election. I may have mocked that on a previous episode. Oh, also remember the time you ripped out Linux support for Rocket League and I made a video yelling at you about it? (laughs) Good times. In that video, I may have even said that I was quitting Rocket League, which I did for a year. I mean, I'm playing it again now, but it was for a year, and that's a long period of time, I think. Remember how you promised that you would bring Linux support to EAC? Based on past experiences, honestly, I I didn't believe you. I I didn't. But Epic Games, it looks like we're back on the upside of things. So virtual high five to you. Yeah, right? Easy Anti-Cheat has officially announced a full expansion to Linux support including not just native builds, but also Wine and Proton, which is awesome. And this is big for Linux gaming and the Steam Deck. And for those unaware, Epic Games owns Easy Anti-Cheat, and earlier in the year, they made it free for all developers making Windows games. And this was big because a lot of games implemented it, and in some cases, broke Linux support in doing so, which is not great. But you know, fully supporting developers doing native Linux games and even macOS too is a big change to EAC. And also supporting Wine and Proton means that they're going to have support for the Steam Deck, which again is fantastic. Now, it's not automatic for developers. If they want to support the Wine and Proton piece, they have to go in and activate their games for Wine and Proton. But it is a huge step that not many people expected. Although I guess technically when the Steam Deck was announced, people did start expecting it. But you know, it's great. This means games like Apex Legend, Dead by Daylight, Fall Guys, and stuff like that could work with Linux again, or in case, you know, the case of like Apex Legends, period, uh, which is great. And in fact, Fall Guys was one of those games that broke Linux support due to implementing EAC. And now it can be possible for Linux gamers to just rejoin the fun of Fall Guys. So that's awesome. And also Valve has been working to improve uh, anti-cheat situation for games on Linux for a while with a variety of different anti-cheats, of course, including EAC. So you might be wondering, is this because of the Steam Deck? Well, yeah, it definitely is. Epic Games has been notorious about not supporting Linux. So the fact that they changed their tune here 
does imply that it's the Steam Deck, and especially because they specifically mentioned the upcoming Steam Deck launch in their announcement. So I assume it's mostly because of Steam Deck. But whatever the reason is that convinced that, you know, Epic Games to do this, I say it's great news. Also, if you'd like to learn more, you can find links in the show notes. But before I transition away from this topic, I, if you haven't seen the Epic Games Kills Rocket League on Linux video I made, then I will have a link in the show notes and I want you to check it out. But you may not care about Rocket League, and I get that, but I made some Rocket League machinima at the beginning of that video, which I'm kind of proud of, and uh, not enough people saw it, is what I'm saying. So for those you know unfamiliar with that term, machinima is pretty much the act of making a movie or short film uh, with a video game. And I did that, so I made like a short film related to Epic Games and Rocket League and the whole Linux fiasco thing. And I think it's pretty funny. So if you like that kind of thing, check it out. Links in the show notes uh, and also in the video description. And also please comment about, you know, the video, the short film. You know, you can take my acting or my directing or your sound design, you know, whatever, all that stuff. Links in the show notes. And from here, let's talk about another anti-cheat tool, which is BattleEye, because uh, from one anti-cheat to another, BattleEye has also said that they are going to be supporting anti-cheat system for the Steam Deck, which of course is fantastic. So BattleEye says they've provided native Linux and Mac support for a long time. I was not aware of this, but that's good to know. However, in addition to that, they recently announced on their Twitter that they are going to soon support Proton for the Steam Deck. Now, the Steam Deck has already been a big deal. It hasn't even been released yet. And I think it's very important that these kinds of things like anti-cheat be supported on the Steam Deck. And I'm very happy to see that Epic Games and BattleEye agree with that as well. Now, BattleEye does say that this will be done on an opt-in basis with game developers choosing whether they want to allow it or not. Uh, similar to how EAC is implementing it. But this is still huge because it makes it possible for these games to more easily be on Linux and just make it where we can play these games that we haven't been able to for a while. I mean, Proton's awesome, and it's made it possible to play all sorts of great titles, which I love that. But there are some that you can't because of these anti-cheat things. So it's just really awesome to see this because BattleEye was another big blocker for people wanting to play games via Proton. In fact, BattleEye and EAC were usually the reason that the games didn't work. There, there are, of course, some games that just failed miserably supporting Proton, but most of the time, it was because of these anti-cheats that just stopped them from being playable. With this new change for BattleEye, though, we could be getting support for games like DayZ, uh, PUBG Battlegrounds, and others. So this is a ton of potential, not only for the Steam Deck, but for Linux gaming in general. So well done to BattleEye for joining the team and embracing the future of Linux gaming. And also a special thanks to Valve for giving these companies a reason to support Linux that they can't ignore. I really like that. If you'd like to learn more, I'll have links in the show notes below. This episode of This Week in Linux is brought to you by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean recently announced their new managed MongoDB service, which is a fully managed database as a service. With managed MongoDB, you can focus more on building scalable, high-performance apps and less on maintaining the database. Simply offload your MongoDB administration to DigitalOcean and let them handle the provisioning, the managing, the scaling, the updates, the backups, the security, basically everything related to your clusters. DigitalOcean built this service in partnership with MongoDB Inc. and together they have ensured that you will get access to all the latest MongoDB document database as they become available. You can also use DigitalOcean's managed MongoDB service in conjunction with the DigitalOcean app platform to get essentially administrative superpowers. 
And as a listener of This Week in Linux podcast and a member of the DLN community, you can get started for free, actually better than free, because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 free credit when you go to do.co slash DLN dash Mongo. Again, that's do.co slash DLN dash M-O-N-G-O to get started with your $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's new managed MongoDB service. I want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of This Week in Linux. Up next in the show, the beta releases for Ubuntu 21.10 and the flavors are available, which means beta week for Ubuntu has begun. If you'd like to participate in the beta week, the testing, you can do so by going to the link in the show notes for learning about how to do that. And now before we get into what's new with Ubuntu 21.10 and the flavors, I just want to clarify that we will not be going into like too much depth on this because, well, it's the beta release. And there's going to be, there could be some changes that come during that the betas before their final release comes out later next month. But for, so for now, we're just going to cover like the highlights, but there are some things that I do want to cover. So first of all, uh, Linux 5.13 kernel will be included in all of the different distributions, the, you know, the main proper Ubuntu, as well as the flavors. And also just in time for GNOME 41 comes Ubuntu 21.10 with GNOME 40. I'm just kidding. The, the reason they did this makes sense because they wanted more time to work on their modifications of GNOME rather than jumping a, like headfirst into such a new paradigm and code base. So I get it. I'm just giving like a little bit of a joke. But it does remind me of the old days of where Ubuntu always tracked one release behind GNOME back in the GNOME 2 days. And I wonder if this is going to be some kind of like new normal or just for this release. Uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see. So what does GNOME 40 bring to Ubuntu? So GNOME 40 and its new horizontal workflow also improves, like they got some touch gestures and they got some all sorts of new stuff. We talked about this on a previous episode of Twill 144. If you want the full depth stuff about GNOME 40, you can check that out. But also thanks to GNOME 40, the new trackpad gestures are now available for entering and exiting overflow and switching workspaces, not overflow, overview switching workspaces and moving between pages of the app launcher and that sort of stuff. So there's a lot of good stuff from the new version or the new overflow, or overflow. I did it again. The new overview workflow that they introduced in GNOME 40. So also in 21.10, you they kept the Ubuntu dock, which is the left side panel. So, uh, But they've also made some changes to it. For example, there's new items like the trash can and a separator. The separator is to basically say that like what's pinned on your, your launcher or your Ubuntu dock and what is like currently running and that kind of thing. So you can tell really easily based on that order separator. Uh, they're also in the appearance section, you can choose which monitor the dock shows up on. So if you want it on your primary monitor, you can change it to, or you want it on your secondary monitor, you can move it to wherever you want to now with the uh, settings appearance section. Also, there's a the grid icon at the bottom of the Ubuntu dock opens the application launcher. Now, not really a fan of that part because the application launcher button is at the very bottom of the panel and the very top of the panel is the activities button. So if you want to use, you know, mess with the, applica the application launcher, you have to go all the way down with your mouse and then go start messing with, like move your mouse back to the icons. Or if you want to open the activity, the overviews, uh, you go to the top left and click that button and then you go back. It's a lot of mouse travel. So that's kind of like a weird positioning of those things. You could, of course, just hit the super key, but not everybody knows about the super key being opening the, the menus. But uh, the mouse travel thing is, uh, you know, 
So hopefully they will address that in the future and just move that button at the top, really. Put the trash can down at the bottom, something like that. I don't know. Whatever. It's your design, your system. Do what you want. But there is one thing they did on their design that I wasn't really that excited for, and that's the Yaru light theme is now by default. Now, it's not because I prefer dark mode. I do prefer dark mode. That's my preference of pretty much every application. But they now only have two choices instead of the three they had. They have light and dark. They used to have a mixed version, but that's no longer available. And I think that is the better approach for a default of doing a mixed theme where they have the header dark and they have a different shade on the sidebar with the, other, the main contents in a brighter style. Like, I like that. Uh, but they have decided to remove that, and which is like, okay, I get it. I, we talked about GTK stuff and theming and stuff like last week, and I get why they would want to do it, but I still would prefer that mix style. I think that looked the best. We're going to talk about the next piece that they have included, and that is Pulse Audio 15 has been included by default for improved support for Bluetooth audio and a bunch of other stuff. And they also have Pipewire pre-installed by default. Now, I have received some reports that uh, Pipewire included in Ubuntu is, you know, kind of stripped down. So it might not be able to do all the cool stuff that Pipewire other, uh, offers in other uh, other distributions. Like I've talked about how I use Pipewire in Fedora and it's got really cool features. But, you know, there I've heard that it's kind of stripped down in Ubuntu and, some, and other distros as well, but uh, more so I've heard about, about Ubuntu. But to be clear, I'm, I haven't tested this myself, so I can't confirm that, but that's what I've heard from, you know, people familiar with the matter. <laughs> Look at that. I'm a real reporter now, I think. I think it must be like a rite of passage to say the phrase, people familiar with the matter, and now I've done it. So I'm now a reporter. Yeah. Okay. So Ubuntu flavors have also made some, a lot of updates. For example, Kubuntu 21.10 has KDE Plasma 5.22. They've also got the latest version of Latte Doc, which is really cool. Not installed by default, but it is available if you easily if you want to install it, which is great. Uh, Ubuntu Mate 21.10 has Mate 1.26. Lubuntu 21.10 has LXQt 0.17. And Zubuntu comes with a lot of changes to their Thunar file manager, the whisker menu, and so much more. We'll go into much more depth with what's new with the various flavors and Ubuntu itself when the final editions release next month. So if you'd like to learn more about this particular topic, I'll have links in the show notes below. Let's continue on with some more Ubuntu news because, well, how about this? Hello there. Are you an Ubuntu user? Are you using Ubuntu 14.04 or 16.04? Well, first of all, why? You should upgrade. Or you might be an enterprise user. And it makes sense for enterprise companies to upgrade, but it can be a slow, painful process to upgrade your infrastructure, especially, you know, depending on how much time you have to do it. Well, my friends, you are in luck because Canonical has announced they are extending support for Ubuntu 16.04 and Ubuntu 14.04, up to 10 years. That's right, shoppers. For just four easy payments of anywhere between $25 and $1,500, you can continue to use that computer so you don't have to upgrade. But you still get security fixes shipped directly to your server's front door. I'd be so good at infomercial hosting kind of thing, don't you think? Okay, seriously though, Canonical did actually do that. They announced this week that users of 16.04 and even 14.04 will continue to get security updates and patches to up to 10 years through the extended security maintenance 
with their Ubuntu Advantage for infrastructure subscription plan. Now, the, if you're those not familiar, the Ubuntu Advantage is actually free on uh, for up to three machines for personal usage. But if you're a personal user, you might just want to upgrade your desktop to the latest version anyway, because you know, there's no reason to prolong like the life of a very old 1404 in this case. So, you know, upgrade. But for the, the, the enterprise, that's the real important part of this because the enterprise users don't typically update super fast. So uh, Nikos Ma- Mavrogianopoulos, I don't know if I said that right, but I think I did. It's also fun to say, by, by the way, Mavrogianopoulos. That's just a fun name. Uh, project manager at Canonical says, with the prolonged life cycle of Ubuntu 1404 and 1604 LTS, we're entering a new page in our commitment to enabling enterprise environments. Each industry sector has its own develop, uh, develop deployment life cycle and adopts technology at a different pace. We are bringing an, oper- an operating system life cycle that lets organizations manage their infrastructure on their terms. Now, it is worth noting when I say support up to 10 years, I don't mean 10 years from now, but rather 10 years from the initial release. So with 1404, that's an additional three years from now. So just keep that in mind. But uh, Nico said about the each industry sector has its own deployment lifecycle and adopts technology at a different pace. That's a big understatement because a lot of enterprise companies take years. They'll start a process of updating and that process will take, you know, three to five years, all that sort of stuff. It's, you know, it's kind of a funny thing because when I was like, yes. Yes, they do. Very long time, most of the time. So it was always kind of confusing to me why the enterprise customers of Ubuntu had to, you know, do moving so often. Because five years is not really enough in the enterprise space. That's why Red Hat and SUSE have always been doing 10 years. Uh, so it was just kind of weird that, you know, they just now decided to switch to 10 years. It's good that they did. So congrats to that. And for those who are using it and don't want to upgrade as fast as they would have normally, now you have that ability, provided that you get the Ubuntu Advantage package thing. But anyway, if you'd like to learn more about this particular topic, we're going to have the links in the show notes below. Up next, let's talk about some Linux mobile news. This week, UbiPort's team announced that the release of Ubuntu Touch OTA 19 is available, and this is a maintenance update based on Ubuntu 16.04 base. Now, the UbiPort's team are continuing to work on porting it to Ubuntu 20.04 base, but these kinds of releases are also very important as well. I mean, polishing existing releases are sometimes ignored by projects while they work on the new, much different version of the project. That can sometimes backfire for projects that you know don't have updates too too like often or they kind of make people think that they're not working on it because it's hard to tell when you don't have releases. So I'm happy to see them continue to do the work on the current Ubuntu Touch version. Now, this latest release adds support for uh, Helium 7.1 and 5.1 devices to access the gyroscope and the magnetic field sensors for making these kinds of features accessible to various applications. They've also improved the messaging app and fixed an issue that prevented users from pausing music when the headphone cable was been, has been removed. Now, this is something I didn't realize I used as much as I did until it wasn't working. So on Android, I do this all the time, and UbiPort's adding it is a very nice Ubuntu touch. Yeah. Okay, fine. Not everyone likes dad jokes or puns. I get it. I won't do that again for this specific topic. I will, of course, continue to do them at some point. It's my nature. Puns are the best. So, Ubuntu Touch OTA 19 update is now rolling out to many popular devices. So, the Fairphone 2, 
the Google Pixel 3a, the FX Tech Pro 1, that just rolls right off the tongue, a Volophone, and the OnePlus One, as well as many more. And speaking of the OnePlus One, I actually upgraded my OnePlus One to the latest version, and it is a very nice improvement. So you can see it on the video, and oh, you can kind of see it on the video. And there's this, it's just really nice. Um, I, I'm even considering doing an Ubuntu Touch challenge again soon. I did a daily driver test about six months, uh, for about six months, a couple years ago, and it went pretty well. Like I actually enjoyed using it. It's a very nice experience overall. I wasn't really ready exactly to replace my uh, Android device at the time, but it might be now, and it, or it might be closer anyway. So I think it might be fun to revisit that sort of challenge. Let me know if you think I should revisit the Ubuntu Touch on my OnePlus One. And if you do think I should, uh, maybe I'll make some videos along the way so you can follow along as I do it. But for now, if you want to learn more, links in the show notes. This episode of This Week in Linux is brought to you by Bitwarden. Get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com slash DLN. Bitwarden is an awesome service. It's a password manager that allows you to have peace of mind knowing your online accounts are secure. How does it do it? Well, Bitwarden provides tools for you to store all your passwords in a secured vault, auto-generate those passwords for you, and even automatically fill in passwords on login forms so you don't have to do it. And you can access your data across many different types of devices, whether it's your web browser, your mobile, app, your mobile apps, your desktop apps, or even on the command line. And Bitwarden seals and encrypts your private data with end-to-end encryption before it ever leaves your devices, so you know you're the only person with access to your data. So go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started. And did I mention you can get started for free? You can, but I also think you want to check out their premium accounts because you get a lot of great features and extra bonuses for less than a dollar per month. That's right, for less than a dollar per month, you get one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F Duo, Vault Health Reports, Bitwarden Authenticator for temporary one-time passwords, Priority Customer Service, Bitwarden Send, and so much more. You can also check out their business accounts or their uh, family accounts. It's really nice to have those as options because if you run a business, you can make it possible for easily setting up people who are employees or just other people in the business in general to be able to have an account and make sure everything is secure and share passwords back and forth in a secure way, which is fantastic. And for family accounts, you can make it possible to set up accounts for your family who have never used password managers before. And it just it just makes it a much more seamless like onboarding experience, which I have done myself and it has been great. So make the smart move like many from the community have and go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started. And thanks again to Bitwarden for sponsoring This Week in Linux. Up next in the show is something really cool for Fedora because Fedora Linux has been recognized as a digital public good by the Digital Public Goods Alliance or the DPGA. Now, what does that mean? Well, first, let's talk about what is the DDPG, DPGA. The Digital Public Goods Alliance is a multi-stakeholder initiative with a mission to accelerate the attainment of the sustainable development goals in low and middle income countries by facilitating the discovery, development, use, and investment in digital public goods. Now, what does that mean? Well, it's mostly talking about making it easier for uh, middle-to-low-income countries get access to software and technology, and that's typically not available, such as uh, open source makes this a very good way of doing it because it facilitates it in an easier method because you don't have to pay about worry about the license for every device or all that nonsense. And this is makes it this is great because 
This the the D the Digital Public Goods Alliance is actually easier for me to say than DPGA somehow I don't know why, but this is endorsed by the UN uh, Secretary General's uh, Roadmap for Digital Corp Cooperation. The DPGA defines digital public goods as open source software, open data, open AI models, open standards, and open content that adhere to privacy and other applicable laws and best practices. Now, to quote the post from Fedora, they say that in the Fedora project community, we look at open source as not only code that can change how we interact uh, with computers, but also a way for us to positively influence and shape the future. And also they go on to say that recognition as a DPG or digital public good increases the visibility, support for, and prominence of open projects that have the potential to tackle global challenges to become a digital good or digital public good all projects are required to meet the DPG standard to ensure that they truly encapsulate the open source principles. Now, this is awesome because it's just it's good to have like being recognized because Fedora is an open source distribution. If you're not aware of that, Fedora Linux by default only ships its releases with purely open source software packages and components. Now, they do have third party repositories available for those who want to use it. For example, if, uh, proprietary packages or components for hardware development, or hardware accessibility like NVIDIA kind of thing. Uh, that stuff is available, but by default, it's not there. So if someone wanted to have an open source based distribution, they can do so with Fedora Linux. They also say that Fedora Linux is a complete offering with some of the greatest innovations that open source has to offer. And collectively, this means Fedora Linux can act as a gateway empowering the creation of more and better solutions to better tackle the challenges they are trying to address which is just, I couldn't agree more because Fedora is my distribution of choice these days. Uh, I changed last year and I've been enjoying it the entire time. So like, there's just so much good stuff about Fedora. If you'd like to learn more about Fedora or about this news about being a, a digital public good, I'll have links in the show notes below. And also let's move on to the next topic, which is Google related. So everybody's excited about this one, right? Well, this week, Google made an interesting announcement uh, and the, at the Linux Plumbers Conference. So uh, they're saying that Android is going to be becoming a better member of the community. What I mean by that is Google's Android has been notorious for all of its downstream patches, as well as various vendor slash device kernel trees and that kind of thing. And Google has been shifting to the Android uh, kernel, uh, generic kernel image or GKI as the basis for all of their product uh, kernels to produce, to further reduce the uh, fragmentation inside of the Android ecosystem, which is good, but a lot of people think that's not good enough. And this perspective may be changing though because of this new announcement. So Google's Todd uh, Kajos, Kajos, sorry, uh, gave a talk at the Linux Plumbers Conference, or LPC 2021, around their uh, generic kernel image initiative in the Android Micro Conference. Now, what is the Linux Plumbers Conference, you may be asking? Well, the Linux Plumbers Conference, or LPC, is a developer conference for the open source community. The LPC brings together the like developers working on the plumbing of Linux. That's related to uh, kernel subsystems, core libraries, windowing systems, that sort of thing. And it gives them like a way to work together at uh, on core design problems and that kind of thing. So if you want to check it out, I'll have links to the Linux Plumbers Conference because there's a lot of different talks. There's videos available on YouTube. I'll have links to that in the show notes. But back to the topic at hand, Google is now talking of an upstream first approach for pushing new kernel features. Now with Android 12 and their Linux 5.10 based GKI image, 
they have further cut down the fragmentation to the extent that they claim it's nearly eliminated. With the Android 12 GKI, most of the vendors slash OEM kernel features have now either been upstreamed into the Linux kernel, isolated to vendor modules slash hooks, or merged into the Android common kernel. Now, they are making progress on the GKI part of things and are working to ensure that vendors adapt to the new approach to cut down on the kernel mess. But the most exciting piece is the reason for the inclusion in this episode is their outlook for 2023 and 2024 regarding reducing technical debt. They say to do this, they are going to pursue an upstream-first development model for new features in making sure new code first lands into the mainline Linux kernel rather than aiming straight for lodging like within the Android uh, source tree. Uh, so the Google, Google also says they are committed to work towards upstreaming all uh, out-of-tree patches in the, uh, into the Android common kernels. Now, if this is true, and if they actually follow through with this, then a seri- with a serious commitment, I mean, to upstream first uh, a new, uh, for the new kernel features, it will be really awesome. Really. In fact, you could call it like wonderful in a way because this could have a lot of great impact across the board, not just for Android, not just for Linux in general, but even as a potential to make it easier to port devices to alternative OSs like Ubuntu Touch and others on those different devices. So that, that is a lot of potential. Now, of course, they there are some saying they are doing this to phase out Android to make room for Fuchsia, but that's a topic for another time. For now... I hope this does happen and Android becomes much closer to the upstream Linux kernel because it, it could bring a lot of positive results all around if this happens. So if you'd like to learn more about this, you'll find links in the show notes, including a video for the talk itself at LPC 2021. So links in the show notes. Up next in the show, Valve has published some new Steam Deck information that I am very excited. I'm excited about the Steam Deck in general, but Valve recently released an update about for their frequently asked questions where they answered a lot of important questions. So I want to give you a few of them and I'm going to save the one that it's most interesting later in the late at the end of the topic. But first of all, they asked, can you have multiple Steam accounts on one Steam Deck? The answer to that is yes. And each account on a Steam Deck will keep its own local save data and settings. Can you run non-Steam games through Proton on the Steam Deck? The answer is yes. You can run non-Steam games through Proton if you want to on the Steam Deck. And the next question is, will Steam on Steam Deck have an add a game feature like Steam on the desktop? And again, the answer to that is yes. They say that we will be supporting adding games like we do for the desktop client. And now the next one is something I thought was really interesting that I hadn't even thought about previously. And that is, can the Steam Deck be used as a PC controller? So you could connect the Steam Deck to your, compu- to your computer and use the control on the Steam Deck as a controller for your gaming on your computer. And the answer to that is yes. You can connect your Steam Deck to a PC via remote play and use it as a controller, which is pretty awesome and something that I had not considered even an option and really awesome to see that it is. So the next one is the touchscreen multi-touch. And the answer to that is yes. A lot of these questions seem to be answered with yes. So this is a 10-point or 10-finger multi-touch functionality, which is really cool. And they also say, you know, what can you tell us about BIOS and does it allow multi-booting or dual-booting? The answer again is yes. Multi-booting is supported. You can have multiple OSs installed and choose which one you want to boot into as as you boot up. 
So it's very cool. Uh, you can also boot off an, an SD card if you want to do that as well, which is fantastic. But probably the most important question they've answered, will improvements to Proton for the Steam Deck, like anti-cheat support and etc., also apply to Proton on the desktop? And the answer to this is, as you guessed it, yes. Yes, it will. The improvements will make it to all systems using Proton, whether it's Steam Deck, the desktop, or whatever, which is just fantastic. So if you'd like to learn more about these, these questions and answers, I'll have a link to the full Frequently Asked Questions list in the show notes below. So up next in the show is the housekeeping section that I mentioned earlier. And uh, first of all, I want to talk about Destination Linux episode 244 because we talk, we had a mega list of alternatives to various software and services. So if you're wanting to get an alternative to Gmail or you're wanting to get an alternative to a calendar app or really anything, there's so many things. We have VPN, VPNs talked about. We got uh, search engine alternatives, even DNS alternatives, so much stuff in there. That's why we called it the mega list. There's like 40 something different alternatives are in the list. I, I don't remember the exact number, but it was a lot. So if you want to check it out, destinationlinux.org slash episode 244, and you'll find, uh, I'll actually have the link in the show notes below for that as well, if you want to just check out the links. Uh, but also, I want to tell you about something, one, one more thing in the housekeeping section. You know how some podcasters and YouTubers or whatever just can't seem to stop talking about ways you can buy stuff from them? I mean, like, they'll have merch stores like dlnstore.com, online courses for sale, uh, patron campaigns, tuxdigital.com slash contribute, or maybe they have a company that they do various services with and they just don't let you forget it. Well, as you know, I'm not one to promote myself. Okay, I'm saying that as a joke. I do kind of do it a bit. Um, but it is kind of also true. I mean, I know I just promoted the dlnstore.com and tuxdigital.com slash contribute links, and I just did it again right there. But I do have services that I do, which I've, I don't think I've ever talked about on the show. In the four years that I've been doing the show, I don't think I've ever mentioned it. Well, uh, my, the company is Visuex.com and do website design, graphic design, digital marketing, and that sort of stuff. So if you know anyone who is a, a part of a business or you know makes decisions, that kind of thing, and needs a website or any kind of marketing and that kind of thing, then feel free to let them know about Visuex because that's going to help me create uh, more content on this channel as well. And actually, now that I think about it, if you do let someone know and someone does come to me because of this, uh, I, I'll do like a Twill discount. Why not? I don't know how much it is or whatever. We'll have to figure that out when we get there. But if you or anyone you know needs something like this and let me know that you heard about it on Twill, we'll do some kind of discount for it because I want to help the community and anybody who is involved in that way will also be helping me. So it's like, you know, you help me help you kind of, you get it. Of course, I'm sure I will also remind you about these services again in another four years, but links in the show notes. Thanks for watching this episode of This Week in Linux. If you like what I do here on this show, then please like that smash button and be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to support the show and the channel, we have multiple ways to contribute via Patreon, sponsors, PayPal, and others. You can learn more and become a patron by going to tuxdigital.com contribute. And if you do become a patron, you can join me in the live stream inside of the recording stadium to discuss stuff in between topics and also just hang out every week after the show in the patron-only post show. We also have a little bit of a post show on the stream itself every week. 
But we also have every week a patron post show, which is typically much longer. So if, you, if you're interested in having a conversation about real anything, be sure to join it. Go to tuxdigital.com slash contribute to learn more about that. Also, if you want to support the show, there's other ways to do it, like ordering the Linux is Everywhere t-shirt or t-shirt, the t-shirt, or the This Week in Linux t-shirt by going to dealinstore.com. Plus, while you're there, you can check out all the other great stuff. We got hats, mugs, hoodies, stickers, and so much more, including aprons so you can twill while you grill at dealinstore.com. And while you're there, you maybe want to check out the rest of the stuff at the Destination Linux Network because there's there's a lot more podcasting goodness from me. You can go to Destination Linux uh, podcast, the Hardware Addicts podcast, as I'm a co-host of both of those shows. But there's also even more. We have GameSphere, Pseudo Show, DLNX Stand, and much more. Check it out, destinationlinux.network. And just a reminder, this show is live every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern or 1700 UTC until the, t- the time zone changes. And then we'll, it'll still be 1 p.m. U.S. Eastern, but then it'll be 18 UTC. Anyway, you, you'll figure that out or I'll just tell you when it happens. So join us in the live chat room to discuss all the Linux canoes each and every week by going to dealinglive.com. Thanks again for watching. I'm Michael Tunnell with the Destination Linux Network, and I'll see you next week for another episode of your weekly source for Linux good news.